some of the best and hardest moments of my life happened in this room. It's a place I wrestled with fear, a place I cried hard tears over someone I lost, and a place I cried tears of joy when the impossible appeared before my eyes. It's a room all the same. Actually, it's just a room that was rented, borrowed for us. It's not my home. I'm not going to stay here. In fact, I can't wait to get back outside. I love Jerusalem. I've been coming here to celebrate the Passover since I was a girl, and the energy of the city is just infectious, compared to where I come from anyway. Just a little village in Galilee, where there isn't a person you haven't met or a story you haven't heard. As a child, I loved coming to the holy city, to the temple courtyards. I loved the busyness of the preparations, of wondering what cousin you might run into or what important person you might see. I loved the smells of the offerings and the special foods, the music and the energy. As I came of age, I watched the sons of family friends and wondered to which of them I would be married. I didn't wonder long. I was still young when my parents made an arrangement. I was barely involved. That was the way it was done. I felt that way for years, that I was barely involved in my own life. I went from being an unmarried daughter to a married woman, but then almost as quickly to being widowed before any children had been born. As a wife, I at least briefly held a place in the society of our village, but as a widow, a childless widow. I wasn't sure some days which of us had died because it seemed I had ceased to exist. I had no status of my own and now no one's to borrow. I kept up with our Jewish traditions, <laughs> less because I actually believed than because it kept me a part of our community. I'd been on my own for three years when, about three years ago now, a Jewish teacher began attracting crowds in our sleepy backwater province. His name was Jesus, and he was from Nazareth a homegrown prophet of all things, and on to hear him speak, partly for something to do. I was struggling materially, emotionally, and most certainly in my soul. Although I kept the idea of God at a distance, I was angry with him all the same. I was angry about my life, how much it had been shaped and sealed by forces beyond my control. I was angry at people who treated me second class or worse, and at our laws, which made this acceptable. And I was angry at myself for not being able to change. It surprises me, honestly, that I want to hear a rabbi. 
He could easily have been just another man telling me to stay in my place. But that's not what happened. Because that's not who Jesus is. In those days, he would travel, teaching out in the open. So there were no barriers to who could hear. There was no dress code, no password. The message was for anyone. At first, I struggled to make sense of what he was saying. Some of it sounded familiar, like a story you'd hear in the synagogue, but with a completely different ending. And the more I listened, the more I realized his teaching was unlike anything I'd ever heard. Jesus' words upended or transformed everything I'd ever been taught about God. And if you listened long enough, he'd say something that made you feel like he must know your story. Like his words were meant for you. Like you really had a place in the kingdom of God he was always describing. Like I had a place. For me, it was this. The one who hears my words and does them is like a person building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When this flood came, the stream broke against it and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who does not heed my words is like someone building a house without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it fell immediately. And the ruin of that house was great. A house without a foundation. A colossal ruin. When I heard this description, I closed my eyes and I could see my entire life shifting with every storm that came by. Big storms, small ones, every one had knocked me down. And I blamed it on the storms, but when Jesus spoke, I saw a new vision of myself with a foundation. When I opened my eyes, I tell you, of the thousand people there that day, he was looking at me. He saw me. I didn't have the courage to talk to him that day or for some time, but... I went to more of his gatherings, and one day, someone spoke to me. Gradually, I became friends with some of the other women from Galilee who followed him. Mary called Magdalene, and Joanna, and Susanna, and others. They were widows like me, and also married women, and young ones. Some had money, some didn't, but we became friends. It was unlike any social circle I'd ever been a part of. It was a place I could be myself and find out maybe for the first time in my life who exactly that was. I discovered to my surprise that I was curious about scripture. All my years of confusion and doubts actually meant I had a lot of questions about our faith. And so I studied what I could and piece by piece, a foundation began to be laid. Jesus was, well, I didn't know who he was exactly, but I knew he was the real thing. It wasn't an act. It wasn't a delusion. 
He was someone you trusted instinctively, someone you wanted to be around. Relatives who had only ever shown me pity became curious about how it was changing. And so I invited some of them to come with me to listen to Jesus. An aunt and uncle of mine became his followers. And it was with them I was staying during the Passover this year. The week had been exhilarating. Jesus and all of his inner circle were here in Jerusalem. And there was something in the air. It felt unpredictable, maybe even wild. But I hadn't realized it was danger. And so I was sleeping that Friday morning over a month ago now in the house of my aunt when one of his disciples came banging on the door. They arrested him last night, the man told us, breathless, in the garden of prayer. What? My aunt exclaimed as everyone in the house gathered around. But he was in the temple yesterday afternoon. The disciple shook his head and glanced down the road. Judas, he whispered, as if the name itself were a curse. He told them where to find Jesus. He betrayed him. He took their money. He betrayed us all. I saw my host's faces go pale. Come inside, my uncle said, quickly. But the man shook his head. They mean to crucify him. My aunt stepped back as if she'd been slapped. No, she whispered. But why? He's done nothing wrong. That's not how they see it, he replied. You know they've been looking for a reason. Stay inside. Stay safe. But I already had my sandals on. Hannah, stop! My aunt begged. Someone will come and tell us what happens. That wasn't enough for me. Having someone tell me what happened wasn't enough anymore. Not when it came to Jesus. The city had a buzz that morning, but it wasn't the happy hum of the festival. It was an edgy, unsettled vibration. People were hurried and tense. The sunlight felt harsh. I followed the flow of traffic to where it spilled out into a mob. The ugliest sight I'd ever seen. People yelling, crucify him. Their eyes wild as if they'd been possessed. Others weeping and sobbing, acting as if he were already dead. When I finally caught a glimpse of him, he might as well have been. In the crowd, I somehow found Mary and some other friends from Galilee all of us terrified but unwilling to go home. We grabbed each other's hands and followed. And so we were there when he died. The sun blinked out and the ground shook beneath our feet, the very foundation of the world. Surely 
one of the soldiers said. This man was the son of God. I wanted to scream at him. What good is it now? But I didn't dare. I fell to my knees and I prayed that God would forgive us all for not being able to recognize him. A body, I refused to say it was him, it was there hanging on the cross. All the fight gone out of it. He wasn't there. You could feel it. A man named Joseph took it down, cradling the body of Jesus as if he were an infant, wrapping him carefully in a linen shroud. His mother looked on, tears streaming down her face, as if her hands could remember doing the same thing to him as a baby. Some men stepped forward and carried Jesus to a tomb, new and solid and final. I followed them to the burial ground, feeling as if I was watching the whole thing at a distance. The way I felt the burial of my husband, as if I wasn't even there. I felt that old mix of anxiety and anger, and I was afraid. When I started following Jesus, I thought, what do I have to lose? <laughs> the world hadn't held much for me. But now, suddenly I was very aware I had everything to lose. If Jesus could be taken from us, then anything could be. They placed the body in a carved rock tomb, and the next step would be to prepare it with oils and spices. But the other women conferred and pointed to the sky. The sun was setting, marking the beginning of the Sabbath, and it was forbidden to prepare a dead body. Technically, they were right, but to me it seemed ridiculous. Who could tell us not to love this man who had loved us? Was the entire world against us that day? The stone door was rolled into place, and even though I was outside, I felt trapped. Stop! Wait! I wanted to say. But wait, for what? Someone else may come, Joanna ventured as we walked slowly back to town, to continue the work he began. No, one of the disciples contradicted. He was it, the Messiah. There isn't going to be another one. An argument erupted. Everyone's emotions raw. 
Jesus' death didn't fit anyone's plans. Where was the kingdom of God if the king was in a tomb? I stopped listening to the bickering, my mind drifting through the past week, through the time I had known him. Jesus had done things that were confusing. He had done things that were unpopular, but to my knowledge, he had never made mistakes. Every place he went was more beautiful because he had been there. I glanced at the bunch of us who remained. Would anyone say that about us? <laughs> about me? That night, some people went home, deciding this was the end, or afraid of staying involved in a movement whose leader had just been killed. But many of us gathered here, in this room where he had last eaten with his inner circle. We didn't know what was coming, but we wanted to be together. On a mat on the floor, I laid awake thinking, trying to remember every word he had said, to find the secret that would make this all make sense. Don't let me fail you, I thought, by failing to understand. It was like a prayer. Like, I believed he could hear me. In the morning, the world felt wrong. When we looked at each other, we confirmed it had really happened. We jumped at any noise in the street. I saw a man check a bolt on the door when he thought we weren't looking. The shutters were kept closed. It was a dark stifling day and the wait felt like an eternity but one thing was for certain early the next morning as soon as the law permitted some of us women would return to the tomb only a few of us showed some women i really admired chose to stay inside i didn't blame them but i couldn't stay still anymore we met on the road, we hugged, and we walked in silence ahead of the dawn, each of us carrying herbs, oils, jars. As we approached the tomb, we saw no one, which somehow felt as unsettling as seeing a soldier standing guard. We were getting the very first light of dawn, but it was hard to see and we got right up to the tomb before realizing the stone wasn't in place. It was rolled away off to one side. We all froze and looked at each other. Is this the right place? Mary whispered. We all nodded. It was definitely the place. Had someone beat us here? But how would they move the stone? I'll look inside, I decided. Two of my friends grabbed my arm, but I wasn't afraid of ghosts or bats. I was afraid of the world without Jesus in it.
As the sun rose, I stepped inside the tomb, Mary at my side. It took a while for my eyes to adjust, but when they did, we looked all around. There was no one, dead or alive, no body, just an empty cave, a pile of cloth on the ground. It didn't make any sense. Suddenly, I sensed someone watching us, and we turned to see two men I'd never met. They stood at the entrance to the tomb, and the sun must have been coming up behind them because they were bright. It was hard to even look at them. Their clothes were radiant, and I thought they must be someone very, very important. So I dropped to the ground, bowing. And one of them spoke. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He asked. I don't know what I'd expected him to say, but that wasn't it. I, I sat up so that I was kneeling before them. Do they know where Jesus is? I thought. And... I didn't say it out loud, but the second man looked right at me, just as Jesus had years ago, and he answered, He's not here. He is risen. Don't you remember his words? The Son of Man shall suffer. He will be killed and on the third day raised to life. Had he said that? Something in my memory began to itch. He had said that a long time ago. It was the secret hidden in plain sight that I had been trying to remember two nights ago. But raised to life. What exactly did that mean? He's not dead, Mary whispered next to me. Not anymore. She was crying, and suddenly the men were gone, and all of us were talking at once about what we had seen and heard. <laughs> we left the oils and herbs behind. We didn't need them. And we ran the whole way back to the city, banging on this door and crying, Open it! Come out! Some of the men were a little reluctant to believe us and tried to patiently explain how the world worked. But the Lord chose us to deliver this news. I had a place in the kingdom of God. I had a front row seat the day the way the world works changed. In the end, it wasn't us who can convince them. It was Jesus. He came and stood among us in this room, and he stayed a while. And those days were beautiful. Jesus hadn't been taken from us. He couldn't be. And so I realized neither could anything else that mattered. Not really and not forever. This was the final piece in my foundation. A storm had come through that week, and I knew other storms would follow, but in my core I knew the house would stand. I had gone looking for a rock on which to build my life. 
I never thought that that rock would be a tomb. Open and empty and bright. We're waiting again now, here together, about a hundred of us. Jesus returned to heaven. A few of the disciples even saw it. But he told us to wait here. Something is going to happen. Waiting with hope and curiosity is so much better than waiting in fear. We've all been stuck for too long. Stuck inside, stuck under restrictions, stuck with an old understanding of how the world works. I just have this sense that new days are coming, that with Jesus' help, we'll be able to bring some of that beauty back outside everywhere we can. Will you come with us and see what happens? <laughs>